What's happening, people? Welcome back to Looking Up. My name is Max McCoy. Today, I'm joined by Lisa West. Lisa's a, a licensed physical therapist who helps people with chronic pain. She regularly helps people through physical therapy, myofascial release, and yoga, uh, and she wrote a book. It was a super cool book. That's how I found her. I read her book. I loved it, and I reached out. It's called Follow the Feeling, a, Ro- uh, a Roadmap to Emotional Freedom, and it's basically a practical guide that helps people out of pain by connecting to their instinctual wisdom uh, within the body, and it's definitely a heavy topic on the mind-body connection, which we talk about on this podcast um, really loved it. Again, I loved the book. I'll link to it in the show notes. I think it's something that a lot of my listeners might want to read. So I'll link to that. It's a deep, comprehensive piece that uh, basically teaches us how to use our feelings as a navigation system. And that's a big part of the mind body connection is learning to be able to note what you're feeling and how that applies to your mind and body. And so this conversation goes into all those things and beyond. Um, before we get started, I just want to thank everybody who supports the podcast. Thank you for listening when there's so many podcasts you could be listening to. Thank you for tuning in and checking my show out. Thank you for all the people that reach out on Instagram. Um, especially big thank you for the people that leave reviews on Apple iTunes. That helps the podcast grow. That helps me get more and more guests. Uh, and thanks for everybody who posts screenshots of the show on Instagram. Not only does that help me, uh, you know, say hello, I get to say thank you, I get to connect with you guys one-on-one, but by you guys sharing the podcast online, that helps uh, the podcast grow in a really organic way. So let's do it. Thank you guys for, uh, oh, preface, me and Lisa recorded this podcast with, uh, I have a new podcast set up for in-person interviews, and I thought it wouldn't pick up on wind, but it did. Uh, me and Lisa recorded this near the beach at a park with an ocean view, a super cool vibe, but it was windy. So apologies in advance for a little bit of the wind sounds. Um, now I know, and I won't let that happen again. Lisa, when you listen to this, I know I said my mic wouldn't pick up on the wind, but it did. Anyways, I think the conversation was awesome. I think you guys will like it. Let's do it. Talking mind-body connection with the author of Follow the Feeling. Lisa West. Enjoy. Freedom is like, I think, what we're all pretty much searching for. I mean, the in the yogic terms, I call it moksha, but it's liberation, freedom. And basically, things that hold you back, uh, things that are restrictions will like... Restrictions hold you yeah, back. Yeah, they hold you freedom. back. And you can have restrictions in your body. You can have restrictions in your mind. You said, uh, when I was going to write this book, it was going to be super simple. You just said, get quiet, feel what you're feeling, and then follow the guidance that your feelings are telling you yeah that's like the synopsis of the book right there isn't it yeah basically and then everything else just is kind of like how to do it (laughs) and so why'd you why'd you write the book um there are a few reasons the main reason is because in my own process and in the process of my clients i was i've really seen that people are afraid of emotions and they're like avoid them at all costs and that that was kind of where the juice is like like when you get angry it's like telling you something when you get sad it's telling you something it's like they're messengers and we have this idea that like feeling our emotions is like this scary place to go so that was one reason and then the other reason is because I'm from the Midwest originally and I have a lot of clients being a physical therapist I have a lot of clients who um, aren't really on the spiritual path a lot that are, but, you know, some that aren't. And so this is kind of new information for them to, like, think, you know, about mindfulness and about feeling your feelings and all of these things. And 
I really wanted it to reach people. Like I wanted people to realize it's not this like big woo woo concept to like get quiet and to listen to what's happening inside. It's a, uh, especially it just got super windy. So hopefully you can hear me, <laughs> but it's like, it's so easy to be like, okay, you're feeling stressed or whatever, but you just got to push through, push through. And I think what your book does a good job of talking about is feel those things, slow down. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. And I, I'm really excited that you're reaching out to the athletes of the world, too, because, you know, talk about people that are good at pushing through. Like, you have to, right, when you're an athlete. Yeah, you have to learn <laughs> to push through to become good at what you're doing. Right. Is, it's a oxymoron. Um, but how does the spiritual and then, so you're a physical therapist, fascia, stretch therapy, how does that kind of mix with the spirituality? Or, or where is that bridge? And, and do they kind of feed into each other a little bit? Well, the type of work I do does um, because we because our body holds everything like it when you start getting quiet, like, OK, my fir- my very first experience with this, I went to a craniosacral class first. So I do craniosacral and myofascial release and um, just a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my card's really long. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the first time I went to a craniosacral class, I mean, I was like out of school PT like pretty standard like kinesthetic you know like working with like the kinesiology piece of things like pulleys and levers and this muscle does this and you stretch this way and you strengthen this which is all awesome and we need to know that stuff but I went to this craniosacral class and I was the demonstration person for a sphenoid release it's the bone behind your eyes and I'm laying on the table and the guy starts working on my sphenoid and I just burst into tears. And I was like, what is going on? And I am, I, at that point in my life was like, not somebody who really like bought into it. You had your or, shit together. And right. You, I was you, like, you what happened? Up. I would not cry in front of people. Nice and, yeah, <laughs> right. You were nice and guarded. <laughs> nice and guarded. So I was like, okay, what just happened? And as that happened, I had this like moment of um, watching my, like I had this vision of when I was, like a picture of me being born and when you see the newborn pictures of me my nose was all smashed in because I was born face up and so I feel like I don't know exactly what the connection was but I was like okay there's something to this there's some like memory stored in my body or whatever that made me cry because I didn't have like it wasn't like I had this like huge feeling of like suffering or anything it just was tears so I was like okay something's going on here that we hold most emotions in our body and which part was he rubbing like he he just was doing a release behind my eyes so it was like it's called a sphenoid bone sphenoid bone yeah (laughs) (laughs) so I've I was actually gonna ask you about this I've been I was rubbing with a lacrosse ball on my hips and we talked about before we started recording and it got to the point where I realized, okay, every time I really, even though we were talking about this is like suffering and it's going to hurt the harder the object, the more, you know, it's like too much. But it got to the point where I would breathe through a certain amount of tension and eventually I would have like a, a release of the tension in the muscles and it would almost release things mentally. So almost every time, and this was like, this is why I feel is meant to be that I got your book from my sister who just happened to love it. She happened to hand it to me. That week, I couldn't stop telling people about, I've been rolling out my hips, and every time I get through like five minutes of tension, ideas start to flow to me that I feel like I didn't have access to before. And I, that week, I started having a notebook next to me, and I would rub out my hips. Awesome. And I would have these inflows of thoughts, even if it was just a little perspective, or it was something always weird, and I would just write it down. And then yeah. I started reading your book, and that's what it's all about. 
to some extent is yeah. how we store stuff. So what do we store in our body? Like, what is this? Like, everything. I had trouble putting this to words. <laughs> <laughs> everything. Everything. Our whole history is in our body. Like, anything that you're not ready to process at that moment gets stored somewhere. And it's in your physical body. And so as soon as you can, like, touch on that place and pay attention to it, sometimes it feels like physical discomfort. And you're like, gosh, I've had this stomach ache. It just won't go away. And then... You have a good cry and suddenly you're like, oh, my stomach doesn't hurt anymore. Or, you know, you change something in your life and suddenly you're like, wow, that hip pain went away. So it's like you don't always see the connections, but they're there. <laughs> so how do you, um, one, find the tension in your body that maybe is storing stuff? And, and, like, how do you begin to determine that? Where do you start? Well, start with injury or <laughs> places that hurt that's the easiest place to pay attention to i mean that's pay there's nothing that focuses you more than pain right like if you're if you have an injury it's like that is one of the hardest mental barriers to get through right so pay attention to it and if you slow down enough you'll start being like oh this is subtle and this changes and wow when i move just this subtle little motion or if i just release this little bit it starts to feel better mm. Injury is kind of like a gift in that way that it kind of is it like, is. hey, you've been ignoring this point of tension for too long. It is. Time um, to look at whatever this is. Right. But, you know, when you're, especially with your population of athletes, and it's so not usually seen as a gift. Because so maybe start with the stiffness, the stuff that always hurts, yeah. the stuff that aches and cranks. Yeah, for me, it's, I keep talking about my hips. Yeah. The guys will talk about their hips and complain about their hips all day long, but yeah. they won't really dive into it. Yeah. So what do you, is there anything, hips particularly, that like... You know, there there's all sorts of, like, different books out there that say, like, certain things are held in certain places and it symbolizes this and everything. Um, but, and there may be some truth to that. I don't actually know, but I just, like, I, I just want everyone to get individual with it. So, like, just start paying attention. And you can process things completely physically. Like, you were just saying, like, I'll feel the muscle release or the fascia release. And I thought it was interesting that you said it's after about five minutes because five minutes is kind of the magic amount of time that myofascial release will hold their holds before you really start feeling that rehydration of the fluids. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I don't, I don't know if you've learned a whole lot about fascia. That's, that's kind of my world. But basically, um, it, it's like the um, fibrous tissue of your body and it connects everything to everything else but in between the fibers is this gelatinous tissue and when it gets gummed up is when you end up having restrictions and things that aren't moving right and that stiffness you're talking about a lot of times is that fascia is just sort of gummed up and so it takes a long period of pre like slow pressure and time for that to start to release that's why yin yoga is such a, a gift because it takes that extra time that it allows um, the hydration to start to happen again I was taught it in the way I still think about it, it's like spaghetti strands, and it, it just lines our whole body. And then there's times when the spaghetti strands kind of just get knotted up, like you said. Yeah. That's so in a my good head, I'm like it. rubbing. Even if I'm, we're just sitting here. Sometimes I'll just rub out my quads or something like that, and try to slowly feel that spaghetti strand go from a, a ball of spaghetti to like a nice long thread of spaghetti again. Yeah. How does the uh, the direct pressure and then like the yoga and the stretching kind of What's the difference there? Is it similar or is it working um, different things? They both apply stress to the area. Like, and I say stress in like a very gentle form because if you're going like hardcore, what you're trying to, to actually release here and what's holding on, and they're finding this, like stretching doesn't actually lengthen tissue. Doesn't actually lengthen tissue? No. 
So it, that seems like, what? I've been stretching all this time. I think I'm making my, my hamstrings longer, right? What you're actually doing is you're telling your brain it's safe to move further. So it's our nervous system that's holding the tension more than anything else. So when you go at something really hardcore, like let's say like if you have a friend and they're like pushing you to do something, what's the first thing you want to do? Resist. Push back. Yeah. yeah. So our bodies do the same thing. So if you're like just forcing something, it's going to, you're not going to win. <laughs> Your body's going to win. And that's why like a lot of times injury happens is because we're forcing, 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 and then suddenly snap. The body's like, fine. It's like overly stretching. Yeah. Your friend pushes you over and you're not ready and you just fall over. Right. And it causes stress. Yeah. So, so going with a little more gentle approach, that's why I'm all about gentleness. Um, Cause going with a more gentle approach is going to be like, okay, brain, look, I'm not going to harm you. It's okay. Like, I'm not going to hurt this hamstring while I stretch it. I'm going to just speaking be gentle. of gentle, you said before, when you're rolling out with things, you would prefer the softer. So I use a lacrosse ball on my hip, which is just the lethal combination of a hard ball and a, a sensitive place. You kind of recommend going softer to start. Yeah, I, I do. Um, you know, it, it is different with everybody. Sometimes you have to have some some pressure there, especially if you're really not in your body a lot. Like if you're not, like if you're you're used to having a lot of pain in your body or something. Sometimes, sometimes like if you're disconnected, you need something a little bit harder to just like bring you there. But if you're finding that you're bracing and you're clenching and you're holding, uh, it's probably not doing a, what it needs to do. So start softer and you're going to find like if you're holding it for a longer period of time, the softer is going to really get in there in ways that you're like, wow. I can't believe that I'm feeling things I've never felt before with the lacrosse ball when I'm using this like gentle, like this soft air-filled ball, which is what I usually recommend, like a four-inch air-filled ball. And how does this apply to the mind? Because my my mind's already putting this into the psychology aspect of exactly what you're saying can be applied to the mind. So I'm thinking they're the same. I don't think there's a disconnect at all. The, mi I, the yeah. mind, the body, the emotions. I think they're completely intertwined, and you can't. So when someone's clenching them. and tight and holding yeah. and wincing. As I often can be, I have like natural anxious tendencies that I have to work hard to make sure I'm like, Phew. yeah. And even before a talk like this, it's easy to be like, you know. But it's yeah. I want to just breathe into it and relax. What is a what is the soft version of a lacrosse ball for things like a clenched up tight psychology? If if Kindness, if you know, I think like it, you know, like when if you're if you're like. Oh, I can't focus my mind. Stupid mind. I hate you. I hate that you're not like listening to me. And that's not usually very effective. <laughs> Whereas if you're just kind of like, oh, honey, come on, come back over here. Okay, breath. Oh, you've wandered off again. Okay, come back to the breath. Okay. <laughs> you know, like if you, if you're just kind. It's like you're talking to a child. Yeah. <laughs> like a little kid. Yeah. And you've, you've talked about that in the book. It's like um, treating your inner wounds, maybe your inner oh, this is hard, oh, I don't want to do this, or resisting change or resisting a, a moment that's new and may bring up some nerves instead of yelling at it, yeah. treating it like a little kid? Yeah, well, I mean, most of our wounds happen when we're kids, so <laughs> that's usually like when when the injury happened, so it's better to be kind. <laughs> a lot of the wounds for when, when we're kids, huh? And similar with the body, do you think? So I've come, I'm just going to keep hopping back from mind and body. So. Um, well, they can, I mean, wounds can happen at any time. I mean, when you, ha 
you know, when you're 85 and your spouse dies, that's a pretty significant wound, right? So, like, it, they can happen at any time. But, like, some of those, like, patterns that you just, like, keep repeating, usually those are early on. And so they're pretty well established by the time you look at them. Yeah. I love that, though. <laughs> Being more gentle. Yeah. That's a hard thing for uh, for me. I I still have the athlete mentality of sure. push through, work hard. Yeah, over it. and it, it is so awesome. I mean, that means you have a lot of resiliency. Like, that's the thing that's cool. Like, stress builds re- resiliency, essentially. And so, like, when you're pushing through, like, uh, like if you're lifting weights, you want to get stronger, you're going to have to basically tear your muscle to get stronger. Like, that's essentially what happens when you lift weights is you, like, get little micro tears, and then it bulks up more. So stress does build re- resiliency, and it, it makes you have a better capacity but what what most at most of the athletes I, I meet are a little bit more disconnected from um, being kind to themselves so like the so when they get injured for example um, it's really hard because they because you have to like be like okay I know you really want to stretch that area out with full force and you want to roll on the black foam roller on your IT band because it's like get in there but like try this try like stretching gently try just going to that place where you very first feel that and what is cool about the athletic world is like you are you have a couple things going for you one is that you are super disciplined as a people so like when you have that discipline you can apply it to anything so like you put your mind to it you're going to be able to do it and that's cool um and then the other thing that's that's awesome is that you can you're used to being in your body some of the time like so you can like oh i can feel those subtle like hamstring changes so it's pretty cool i just hurt my hamstring couple months ago and the first I just wanted to keep stretching it and stretching it and like work it out and then I realized that's the absolute worst thing I could be doing yeah and it was a very odd experience to have my body just basically say stop like you need to stop yeah I'm so used to doing yoga or working out hard or playing basketball and it was a very weird time for me to really just give everything a break and then it made me turn to the mind and be like okay where in the mind can I just learn to be okay and just to relax yeah and i think it's hard to just say hey be kind to yourself and be gentle with yourself to people who don't have that that background or it takes practice but you could do it because you're used to practicing so what's the practice look like uh it can look like um using the softer ball and hanging with it it can look like just feeling like okay do you feel your hamstring right now like just being with it and then with the mind more gentle, more yeah, uh, breathing, more at ease with sitting. slow progress. Well, meditation is the is the easy answer, but you can do that in lots of ways. You can either, you know, do the more formal sitting and watching your breath. You can sit in nature and be quiet for a few minutes and just notice what's around you. Um, you can feel your body. That's what I do a lot of. What's your meditation practice look like right now? Mine's been so skewing and uh i still do it every day formally and sit down every day and it's it's been feeling like it's easy for me right now to be like gosh i'm not meditating well which is so counterintuitive to what meditation is (laughs) i'm not meditating good i'm not doing it good and i'll i'll feel like 10 minutes has gone by 20 minutes and i'm like all i did was just feed my anxious thoughts so what does yours look like (laughs) yeah yeah. it totally varies if i have a lot going on it's really hard to be quiet and it's really hard to sit there when you're not quiet 
Like when you're in that blissful place, it's it's easy. You're like, oh, this is awesome. But when your mind the whole time is being like nibbling in your ear these like things you don't want to hear. <laughs> like, it's What hard. do you think are some good micro versions of meditation that maybe aren't like 20 minutes of undisturbed focus on the breath? Well, I'm going to quote my my main teacher is Eric Schiffman. <clears throat> and he recommends like at night before you go to bed and every morning, like just right before you go to sleep, just sit on like just slumped up at the edge of your bed get quiet for a few minutes almost fall asleep and then go to sleep and then the morning same thing like hit the snooze on your alarm sit up on the edge of your bed almost fall back to sleep and he's like you've already meditated twice and he's like and then do it once formally and then he's like the other time is do it little bits in the rest of the day and he's he said like take a pause so just like take one second and take a breath and come back into your body, notice where you are, be in the moment. So as often as you as it occurs to you, just start doing it. Just you even saying that allowed me to <laughs> exhale. Like Yeah. I I'm so formal with it sometimes. Yeah, and the formal thing is good. It's that's the discipline and that's the training and that's where it's gonna probably like break you through barriers. But, you know, really as like I've heard you say in former podcasts that you really want to you want to apply everything to sport but you want to apply it also to life and the best way to apply anything to life is to do it as often as you can in life right yeah it's easy to keep the meditation on the pillow and not take it off into life and in today's world especially i think um we're so distracted like so distracted meditating is harder for me now that that smartphones are around than it was oh when God. they weren't <laughs> that this is actually the real reason why i'm having trouble meditating this last month is my phone usage has been ridiculous and yeah. it's i work uh on my phone and i share all this stuff on my phone and then i have clients where i help them with their brands and i use the phone and it's made my attention span sometimes i'll go through spurts of days where it's so short and so meditation to me is sometimes strictly a concentration practice. Yes. And I'm realizing, oh, it's like in those moments I'm realizing, like, wow, like my concentration has really become so small. Even though I'm getting a lot done, it's become a lot more difficult because of the things like the phone. And, and any time I have a downtime rather than taking a breath, I'm looking at my phone maybe. Yeah. And um, it's so hard. Even just what you said about before you get out of bed, do it. That helps, I think, a lot of people maybe like before you look at your phone even. Yeah. Press snooze. But for me, if I look at my phone, it's really hard to meditate after. And I think that's why things have been so wonky. So I totally agree. Yeah. So in those cases, like another mindfulness thing you can do is just try to do just one thing at a time. And it's hard. Like to just drive when you're driving and not like (laughs) sing along to the songs and hopefully not check your phone. But come on. (laughs) Most people do. (laughs) For me, it's listening to podcasts, always taking in input. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard to do one thing at a time. Yeah. And so what is um let's in path to your book, you know, getting quiet is the first step to kind of everything. Yeah. From that quiet place, from meditation, finding time in nature, what are we now looking out for? What kind of cues are we looking out for? Sensation. So the sensation can come as like a physical like oh wow, there's something in my back, like tension in my back or whatever. Or it can come as um it can come as a thought. 
It can come as an emotion. You might feel a little choked up or you might feel a little like irritated. Those are like the golden moments. Like that's the thing that, that I think is so cool is like when you have those triggers, like when you're like if you're sitting in meditation, you're starting to get frustrated because your mind's not shutting up. Like, oh, wow, there's frustration. What's that feel like in my body? It's, you're in the wormhole of something, It's but it's getting out of the wormhole that's the hard part and looking at it from that higher spot and be like, that's frustration. Yeah, just one step back. Just realizing that, yeah, you have frustration in your body, but it's that it's not who you are. It's not the definition of you. Like there's always an expanded state that'll show you. And so how do you differentiate between uh, a sensation mentally and then um, maybe like an irrational thought or uh, an anxious thought? So I'm fearing, well, or is there a difference? You know, um, well, I get sensations still. sensations are in your body. What's Thought, that? Sensations you feel in your body. And the thoughts are in your mind, right? So, I mean, the thought can create a sensation in your body. So if you have this like anxious thought, the next thing I would do is be like, oh, wow, that just made my chest tighten up and my stomach pull in a little bit. All right. And you can either just be with it. Usually with, if you just notice it, it starts to soften. You can exert a little bit of effort on it. Like, oh, I wonder what would happen if I softened that. And so I usually play between the two. So I'll sometimes just be with it. And sometimes I'll be like, can I soften that a little? Like what's under that? And the more you can relax tension, the more you're going to start to notice that you feel better. How do you kind of help the people in your life kind of open up to this stuff? Are, are, are people kind of on your same page or do you kind of just keep it in and and hope this message helps? I or? try to be as authentic as possible. I mean, I mean like part of it is, the, I mean, the, the reason I, 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 what I'm hoping to achieve with this book is that I'm taking concepts that are of a spiritual nature but they're also really grounded in science. And I, I think I'm a good bridge between those worlds because I'm, you know, I am a PT. I'm not like, you know, just doing psychic work or something like that, you know, like, yeah. like I, I am, I am still grounded in the material world and in science. And I, I really love that marrying of the two worlds. And when I, when I see something science, like research starting to show like, oh my gosh, this actually does happen in the fascia. Oh my gosh, meditation really does make a difference in how people's brains work. And oh my gosh, positivity is like a real thing that affect, you know, that changes the way our brains are. I'm seriously excited about the science coming out. Yeah. Especially with the mind and the, the yeah. meditation and the visualization. And so more people are going to buy into it. And I, I mean, we need it so badly. We're in a place, I mean, people are suffering right now. What is it that you want to help people with? Like if you or if you were to give them a gift, what would it be? Peace. Yeah, I think people people want to like and you know, I think freedom and peace kind of to me, freedom and peace kind of are interchangeable, but maybe not everybody would maybe some people yeah. want to like Well, freedom for me is just like my top value. Top everything I want to do is like centered around does this make me more or less free? And I think that is equal to peace. If I'm free, I'm at peace. I don't feel constrained. So what do you, I keep coming back to, sorry about the wind. It's a little, we're, we have a beautiful view at this beautiful park, dogs running around, but there's some wind. So <laughs> yes. we're yelling. <laughs> um, how do we start? Like, what do we, what do I start with if I haven't read your book? I've read your book and now I'm going to use it as a, I love to look at my, my, uh, bookshelf and say kind of like what am I going through right now which book will help me in this moment and your book on so many levels does that for me I've finished it we've been trying to get this talk going for a couple of weeks and now 
as I've been going through some changes and some weird, it's just been so terrific to go back to it, look at the chapter titles, which chapter might help me right now, and and really feel like I can help. So it's it's been helping me a lot. I would love to help more people. Where can we start? Where do we start? Um, kindness to yourself, I think, is the easy answer for that. So you can start being kind, like kind in your workouts. <laughs> so like, let's say you work out seven days a week and you don't ever take a rest day. Like if you're really feeling, I mean, we've all been in that situation. Like I used to do Ashtanga yoga, which is a pretty intense form of yoga. And there would be days where I would get up and I would know deep in my bones, I should not go to yoga today, but I would make myself go anyway. I'd go to practice and I'd leave and I'd have a headache and I'd feel crappy the rest of the day. And it's like, okay, those are the moments where it's like, no, this would have been a good rest day, you know? So like, like that's kind. Um, For other people, you know, they might need to be kind by making themselves get out of bed and go to yoga. So it just kind of depends on like what's actually happening inside. Um, Being kind to the way you, if you can slow down enough to hear your thoughts just a little bit, and if you notice that they're kind of unkind, like, can you shift that a little bit? Can you flip it a little bit? Like, oh, man, I, what, gosh, I'm such a piece of crap, or whatever you say I'm to yourself. I'm so good at catching other people doing it. I'll be like, hey, uh-huh. be nice to yourself. And I am I love, my friends always tell me, oh, you're, you're such a good reminder to me to be nice to myself. And I'm like, I got to take that and do that to myself. That's awesome. It's so easy to catch people's vocabulary when they use it. Like, oh, I've been so shitty at this. I'm like, hey, be nice. But to myself, it's the harder part. The thought, catching the thoughts is the harder part for sure. Yeah, because yeah. they're so ingrained in the way we operate. Yeah. But that's that's what I'd say. Be kind to yourself. <laughs> How do we trust the guidance that feeling's trying to give us? You talked about that in the book. Oh, yeah. That's the, that's about the hardest part for me mm. because, um, I mean, some people, I think, to preface, this comes from more so of a psychological background, almost like you're having a nudge, an instinct, a gut yeah. feeling to maybe not do this or do this. Like, yeah. And we've, we've all had those moments where you're like, oh, I should do this. And then we don't do it. Mm. Oh, I knew I should have done that. I wanted, to, I wanted to start a podcast for like a year and I was. Yeah, you I didn't follow it. it. Yeah. But so now, you did, now you have. Yeah. But on other scales, how do you begin to move in that direction? Um... Not that there's one clear, perfect answer. No, there isn't. I mean, you, you just have to do it. Like, that's the thing. Like, when you have the nudge, and um, again, I'm going to refer back to, to Eric Schiffman, my meditation teacher, and he, he has suggested to start where it's easy. So, like, what do you want for lunch today? What do I want for lunch today? You, you have two options, and you're like, well, I should eat the salad, but I'm, like, I really feel like the burger might be what I need. Like, start trusting that, even if it doesn't make sense in your mind, right? And the hard part is uh, also determining which side is the mind and which side is, like, the instinct That's and the gut That's the hardest feeling. part. That's the hardest part. Yeah. Maybe. That's why you start practicing where it's easy, and you're like, oh, that must have been my mind. or You know, you start feeling the subtle difference. The main thing with, with gut feeling, though, is you feel you do feel it in your body. It's like this just sort of, like... The subconscious speaks through the body. Yeah. Quote, Lisa West. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And you know, I mean, that's the the other cool, like, I I am so, I I keep running back to your athlete thing because I know that's what you're thinking. That's why I was so excited to talk because it's like, (laughs) it's like, 
you know, my background. And it's like, you have those instincts, you know, exactly when you need to cut right. Or, you know, like, you know what to do, like you feel it in your body and you're, and we're kinesthetic. Like athletes are really kinesthetic. So you're used to feeling or knowing what your body needs to do. So tuning into that in the rest of our life, is such a gift. Uh huh. It really is. And I, I'm a slow reader. So I slowly read your book and I did the thing where I went to the gym and I, I was like, oh, I'm going to get a great big, like strong lift in today. I got there, picked up one thing and I was like, no, not today. It doesn't feel right. And so I did something lighter and less. And I've tried to take that into more things. And it's really, there's some subtle shifts that have happened in terms of my diet, my workout routine, and even just the way I wake up. And Yeah. And you'll suddenly notice like, like the gentle stretching in yoga. You're like, wow, I suddenly can do these things in yoga. Yeah couldn't do when I was really forcing it. And that's the the paradoxical thing I've been feeling. I'm like, I've been doing such subtle changes and so gentle and so, like, it feels so, like, it almost feels like I'm being lazier. Yeah. And then I'll look back and I'll be like, oh, like, actually a lot of positive changes have ensued because of this. I've actually adopted yoga has become less. I need to do an hour of yoga and maybe I'll just do 10 minutes here and there whenever it feels good. And now I'm doing it way more than ever. And you're doing it already. Like when you, when you learn a skill, like when you go to like, like a, like a camp or something for your sport, you learn these like little subtle changes in your technique that you're suddenly like, wow, I can Uh, do this thing so much better. uh, Um, Golf's a good, uh, golf's a good example. Example, good example yeah. of that you do one thing wrong and you're i'm a horrible <laughs> golfer but i am too <laughs> yeah yeah and it comes through for me in my diet and things like that just slowing down checking in Ooh, what kind of food do you want body and i've been actually gravitating more plant-based than i ever have in my life yeah and I've been like huh this actually feels really good yeah and, and getting creative with that yeah and, and And if you see the results, then you start being like, oh, I can trust this more. Like, this is actually making a difference. So that's how you start actually learning to trust it. That's, that's, I guess, you you finished my thought. You finished my (laughs) thought, yeah. What are some of the foundational principles that fascia is like a body element? What does it just kind of taught you about life? Well, rumor has it we're connected to everything, right? Like, essentially. And so the fascia for me, like... Like the visual I have of it, this is going to sound a little like out there and mystical, but like the visual I have like is, so you have this like three-dimensional spider web inside your body. And I think that that continues out into the world. It's like this three-dimensional like field. And so I feel like it's almost like the field of consciousness within our body. So it's, to me, it's been just like, wow, there's no end to this. (laughs) Like, Like when when you work with that that part of your body, it's you start feeling like let's say if I'm doing just like a basic quad release, I just like put my hands on your quad and I slowly start to separate the the tissue. Um, you'll often after you kind of drop down into like a subconscious like relaxed place, you'll start being like, oh my gosh, I feel that in my jaw, I feel that in my left toe, I feel that like in my guts, I maybe feel emotions. Like it's crazy. It's just so connected everywhere. It's pretty cool. I've had, I think everybody can relate to a time where they've grabbed something and they can feel it somewhere else on your body. Yeah. And that could be, so what you're saying is related to everything else. You're giving people a pretty great gift in helping them through their, their fascia. Thank is you. That what it I, feels I like? love it. I love, yeah, well, you know, I want people to come home to their bodies. That's the main thing. Like we, like we spend, like every trauma we have, we kind of dissociate a little bit and we kind of get and that's super important for like injury recovery if you're dissociated from your ankle after you rolled it for the 30th time 
Like, how are you going to get that stability back? How are you going to really like have that that push and that I'm huge body? on telling people to get out of their shoes more often. And yeah, I'm wearing barefoot shoes and and not wearing braces all the time. And basketball players, especially, I used to wear two socks and an ankle brace and a thick shoe. Yeah, which is appropriate at some time. You know, like if you're if you're in a vulnerable place with your ankle and you yeah, need and you're playing a hardcore game, I would do game. it as a preventative thing, and that it would just kind of do the opposite effect. It would make yeah. my week. It make yeah. me weak. How do you? Uh, you've talked about self sabotage in the book. Self sabotaging thoughts, kind of dealing with those. I'm selfishly would love to talk about that real fast because yeah. I'm I'm stepping into a new ro- I'm stepping into a new rent. I'm I've got this apartment coming up and it's out of my comfort zone. Um, I'm excited about it. It's in LA. It's, it's an awesome spot, but I have that little child in me clinging to keep things how they are, keep things how they are. How have you recommended people will kind of begin to work on that? Um, journaling is probably my favorite way to deal with things that are like belief based. So like when you hear that voice inside, that's like, Oh, I'm not good enough to have this, or I don't deserve this or whatever it is that you self-sabotage yourself with. Um, to start like writing those down and then starting to like make a replacement thought for those things. And at first it's going to just feel like, Oh my gosh, I'm just lying to myself. Right. <laughs> cause, cause you still believe the other thing, but like the more you start like, like, well, what if I did believe this? Like, what would that feel like if I believe this other thing? And if you can start to like shift that feeling in your body and you keep like catching yourself with it, um, it it usually starts. To it's go almost away. like entertaining the the complete opposite of what you're talk, telling yourself. Yeah, but also like like being like, oh hey, you're, there's that part of me saying that thing again. Like again, not taking it too seriously and being like that. Like from what I've found so far, I don't know. Maybe there's a time where these things go away. All that self defeating stuff and all and like the anger and the sadness and the fear and everything else it doesn't go away but it just you don't take it so seriously and you just like give it a seat like over here rather than like the thing that guides your life Mm. that's that's fire that's what the podcast has taught me i get nervous before everyone and uh it's it's forced me to be like you're gonna feel that no matter what what are you gonna do with it yeah you're just gonna feel it and kind of put it to bed and do the thing anyways yeah and i think athletes are the epitome of that more oh, questions than anything I get is how do I deal with nerves? I don't feel good enough. My coach is yelling at me and the, if people who get uh, crippled by that in sport will get crippled by that a little bit in life. Yeah. It's a hard one. And journaling such a good tool. Yeah. Journaling is a great tool Yeah, and just feeling it and just being like, Oh, there it is. <laughs> What's of a, I'm 24. What's a piece of advice you give to your 24 year old self? Oh, my favorite question. That is a good question. Be more confident and trust yourself. Would that journey look like for you learning to trust yourself? I'm still learning it. Yeah. But you've um, come a long way. You wrote a yeah, book about it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like you just you just keep doing things. You just keep like you keep like following those little instincts and you and you eventually you're like my life's actually going all right. Does it take data <laughs> to kind of begin to learn that? It did so for to me. To be able to look back and be like, okay. It did for me. I have enough info that I can trust myself. Yeah. Now. yeah. Although, you know, like. I wish I did. Everybody's different. You know, some people are really self-conscious. Other people, I'm amazed sometimes. I'm like, wow, that person just like has has guts to like, they, you know, they, they just like, and, and they're like, 
And sometimes like they're not even like that awesome at it, but they're so confident that I'm like, wow, I want a piece of that. Like, how do they have that ability to just like. Yeah, they're captivating, even if it's about nothing, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What is something you want to uh, you would want to give the athlete, the athletics, the athlete world behind your teachings? Is it just Um, to be more gentle? Yeah, being a little more gentle. You like I can't stress enough, like in in the rehab setting, like especially like so post injury like I know like I know how it is I had shoulder injuries when I was a swimmer and I had to swim with my injured shoulders and just like mentally push through it you know on race day of course um and it probably slowed my ultimate progress a little bit by doing that but um but like let yourself actually pay attention to your body. If you can feel what's actually happening in your body when you're doing like your rehab exercises, for example, um, let those guide how quickly you progress. So like if you get shoulder pain doing an overhead press and that's part of your rehab program, don't just like keep doing it. Back off the overhead press and Tell your therapist, like, what can I do to make this easier? This is hurting me. What if I don't have a therapist? Now you're just talking to me. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So you want to strengthen the little rotator cuff muscles in your shoulder. Mm. So the tiny muscles so that the deltoid doesn't overpower them when you're doing Mm. the press. Yep. The band exercises. Those those little, like, piddly band exercises. The the little scapular exercises. The shoulder one has been the one. I talked about the hips being tight, but the hips are still functional. My shoulder has gotten to the point where I'm realizing, okay, I'm I'm trying to strengthen this thing that it's not even functional. Yeah. It's, it's cracking. It's popping. It's in pain. Yeah, you need all those little muscles. That's the thing. With, but the shoulder and the hip are both, like, pretty mobile joints. Mm. And so having, like, a basis of stability around it is usually more important than opening it up. Or and, it will allow it to open up. Baseline level of stability, what's the difference between that and mobility? Ignorant question. Um, so, so the muscles, muscles are what hold, especially in the shoulder, the muscles are basically what hold it together. You have a, a capsule. If it's not intact, you're, you're in trouble probably. Like you need to really work on stability. But that gives you some stability. But essentially the, mus- the little rotator cuff muscles and the scapular muscles are what gives the stability to the shoulder, which means it gives it the strength. And if you don't have that like essential strength in those little muscles, the big muscles end up overpowering it. So like your pecs and your lats and your deltoids end up overpowering it and causing impingement. And that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. I think I'm trying to strengthen the big parts of it too much without focusing on the little babies. Yeah, you gotta get the little ones first. Um, Okay, well, the book is on Amazon. It's called Follow the Feeling, A Roadmap to Emotional Freedom. And you can find me at lisawestwellness.com. I do myofascial release and physical therapy. And I'm here in Ventura. And that's it. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Everybody who especially makes it to this point of the podcast, I really appreciate you guys. Thank you for lending your ear again in a space that's really crowded. If you haven't heard, I actually released a podcast course. So, so many of you guys reach out and ask me how to start a podcast of your own. I got so many questions on this that uh, I just couldn't answer everybody as much as I wanted. So I put all the information I knew into a podcast course. Um, and I, I collaborated with this with my podcast producer, Brandon Reese. It's really cool. It came out amazing. Uh, and we have some people that have not only started their podcast, but are who are already like 20 deep. And it's been amazing to help people get their podcast off the ground. 
you guys know me, you know I'm passionate about like education and I have a media background, so this is right up my alley. I love helping people take their message, whether for a brand or a business or just a personal project, from zero to a hundred. So I'll link to that in the show notes. How to start a podcast 101, I think it's called. Uh, really cool stuff in there. Thanks to everybody who leaves reviews. Thanks to everybody who supports on Instagram. Uh, I'll link to Lisa West's book in the show notes again. Really good book, really good read. And that's it. Adios, people. Love you. Bye.